It is week two out of two of the Max Fund Drive, where we focus on how important membership support is for this show. Uh, these shows, our show is owned by us and it's supported by you. And all the shows on the Maximum Fund Network work that way. So it's the best time of, uh, to join as a member because depending on the level of support you choose to join or upgrade, we've got some very cool thank you gifts that we only offer during Max Fund Drive. No, Andrew, don't tell them about that yet. It's I'm a cliffhanger. Yep. It's a cliffhanger. Keep listening. Um, so we'll talk about that in a second. But what I would urge you to do right now before the show even begins is pause this. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join and become a member uh, or upgrade your membership. Make sure you check the Dead Pilot Society box. Once again, MaximumFun.org slash join. And we'll talk to you after a little bit. All right. Let's af- <laughs> we can officially uh, begin. I'm here with Ricky Lindholm and Monica Padrick to talk about their amazing pilot tales. Hello, Ricky. Hi, Monica. Hi. Hello. First of all, I got to say... The joke that I keep thinking of, it's such a small thing, but that I love so much is, is Erica's mom saying, you know, when you buy a whole chicken, you expect it'll come with a neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, I read a lot of pilots. There's a lot of moms. There's a lot of mom specifics. There's just something so great about that uh, specific. Is that from one of your moms? I just need to know. That was a Monica joke. Was that from your mom? No, it's not from my mom, but it would, it was, it was not from my mom, but I can see her being upset at some expectation that you can't see coming on the phone. Like when you're on the phone with her, I'm just like, I no, that, yeah, that the mom scenes were really fun. Um, just because we got to like, when we, it, it doesn't come across necessarily in a podcast, but like the visual elements of it, Ricky and I just had so much fun working on just like what, Erica's doing and what Greta's doing and like what their priorities are and how her mom is just like very level-headed but is also just like hacking away at ice and like angry right. about chicken necks and whatever else and like, there's like just, a big and I'm a like lounging in a massage chair being like <laughs> my life is yeah <laughs> everything's hard <laughs> my favorite Greta line is when I say I'm hanging with my single friends and she says are they widows they're just single <laughs> <laughs> yeah and when that big branch hits her window I mean, that, you know, she's just you know unbothered by that completely um, such a such a great character um, alright well I we will get to the pilot, but uh, I'd like to go back a bit, a bit. We'll start, Ricky, we can start with you. I mean, you have such um, an accomplished acting career, but I want to talk to you about the writing part of it and, and when that started and just, you know, you as, as a writer. A lot of people probably know you best as an actor, but, but tell, tell me about just the writing. It's funny. I think I became a writer because my acting career wasn't going so great. (laughs) Like it just wasn't, you know, I would, I just wasn't getting lucky. Like I would book a pilot and it wouldn't go, or it just, I would be part of a movie and then no one saw it. Or I was working, but it wasn't, I wasn't getting any traction. And I was like, I think I need to write my own stuff. And um, yeah, I started making shorts and things in my twenties. And then after working with Garfunkel notes, you know, I just loved, I loved like being my own boss and not just like waiting for someone to allow me to work. And so I started writing all the time after that. So, uh, I mean, a lot of, you know, some people will know, but, 
But talk a little bit about Garfunkel and Oates and how that started and how you and, and Kate Micucci started writing beyond just writing the songs. Well, it started during the writer strike of 2007, 2008, because we were um, all out of work and we had nothing to do. And so I wrote a short and I was going to direct it. I was trying to like see what else I was good at. And we turned it into a musical. And the best part about the short was the songs. And so we just kept writing songs and then we put them on YouTube and people started watching them to our total surprise. And then we're like, oh, maybe we should play a show. And it just sort of went from there. And then after you know, however many years we're like, okay, now we want to make a TV show. And so I had to write a pilot and pitch it and we got to do a TV show and yeah, it just, it was like a natural progression. And so writing that for the, the pilot for the first version of the TV show, was that um, for both of you, was that the first like script television script that you guys had, had written? Oh yeah. I had to learn like, act structure and things where I thought I understood it because I'd watched so much TV, but I did not. I didn't know how many pages it had to be. It was a real learning curve. They kind of were like, here, write a pilot. And I'm like, oh, how long is it? And I had some sort of like, I had to look at pilots that I auditioned for and like get learned structure from like reading things from my audition emails. And and it was the same, I'm assuming with for Kate too, right? Yeah, it you was guys our, are both-, both of our first, first professional writing job was the Garfunkel Notes pilot. The first thing anyone paid us for um. <laughs> writing wise. That's so cool. And so then that, so that first version of the show, you made how many episodes? Uh, I don't remember. Was it like six or eight? I, I, I have the worst memory and I like a little <laughs> bit blocked it out where I, I think it, maybe it was six episodes. And um, did you guys write all of those? Uh, sort of, sort of. It was, we had uh, one other person in the writer's room. Um, but, and then we like, I, I don't, it was just a strange, we were just learning <laughs> you know, you end up rewriting everything, um, but uh, other people wrote scripts on the show as well. Okay. Um, and I then know I'm being the- vague, but it's deliberate. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, what else? Can we talk about some other time in my life? Besides that? <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's, let's talk about another period. Um, oh. and, and that process. That was the first time I got to show run and it was, super fun. Like I, I really, really loved it. And, um, it was a very low budget show and we had to write it super fast. Like the first season we had 10 weeks to write 10 episodes and then three days of prep. And then every episode we had three days to shoot it. And so anyone who's worked in TV knows it's just, that is so fast. And so we didn't really have much time for self-doubt and we kind of just ran with it. We just did it. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. We did three seasons and it was cool to, work with a place like comedy central who gives almost no notes. They'll have like maybe three notes, like, but it's so little that you're like, okay, I'll do three notes. That's fine. But you basically <laughs> get to make the show you want to make, which is kind of unheard of. So Monica, let's talk about you and how you started on this writing path. Uh, well, I had just fled the country during the financial crisis. And during that time <laughs> in Columbia wrote a pilot in in Colombia, so you had really, you had really, you had fled the country. <laughs> I didn't flee the country to a, to a university in New York City. No, okay. <laughs> the country. Okay. Yeah, the actual no, um, no. But I was just like floundering and writing a bunch of. I'd been sort of a journalist a little bit. I was terrible at it because. I didn't love an adherence to the truth, which lent itself to fiction. But you know. <laughs> 
you can't get by on not publishing three short stories a year in New York. So it, it was it was figuring that kind of thing out. Um, so wrote a bunch of stuff. This is, you know, in 2008, whatever. And through a miraculous series of events, because I feel like that's always how it works, got an agent and got a job on uh, the uh, child pornography program, Skins, the American adaptation of Skins. So that was my first job. <laughs> my parents were so worried about me. And then they were also worried about me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it was marketed, right? They, they did yeah. market. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the child pornography program skins on MTV <laughs> brought to you by British people who don't know what you can put on television. <laughs> that was... um, okay. But back. And so how did you, but how did you get that job on skins? Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'd written, I'd written a pilot about an elderly former Broadway actress who lives in a hotel. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but that would be, <laughs> That that would be the pilot that got me a job on a show about bad teenagers. So, <laughs> but it worked out. It was a lot of fun. And but it was, you had an agent that got it to yes, them. Yes, I had gotten. Yeah, I had lots of different people read this, and then I had lots of false starts. I was out to dinner with my friend and his dad, and and his parents, and I was just like the lowest I could have been. And they're like, oh, what are you working on? Which is like the worst question you can ever be asked for me at almost any point in my like, career. <laughs> but just in general, like, what are you working on? And I was like, I guess I wrote this pilot that I don't know, nothing. And um, they were theater people and interested in this kind of thing. And they're like, oh, let's read it. And then they were very well connected and very lovely people who said, do you mind if we send this to HBO? And I said, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and HBO said, oh, this is adorable. Uh, we're not going to make it, but what, do you have an agent? And I said, no. And they were like, what else do you have, obviously? And then they, um, you know, uh, I could, this is Casey Bloys was a very, like, was a lovely he doesn't know who I am now, but he doesn't realize he started my career. He, um, he and Amy Gravitt were lovely. Um, but he was like, well, let me pass some of your material on to some agents and see if anyone bites. And one did, um, Aaron Junkin at WME and Dan Shear when he was there. And, uh, and then a month later I was writing porn and it's just the dream. (laughs) But it was many years before that of not of like, what am I doing? And what is, how do you do this? I don't know. So you write on skins and then what's the next, what's the next step from there? The American adaptation of the in-betweeners, obviously. That's where you go. You go from one British show <laughs> you, to... Okay. <laughs> you're pigeonholed, you're typecast <laughs> as American versions of British shows. American versions of British shows that genuinely are unnecessary. They speak English in uh, the UK. So we get, we can, we get it, what they're doing. Um, but met great people at both places, really loved it. And didn't work for a really long time. Did a guest writing stint at SNL that I was very poorly suited for wrote an 11 page sketch with Kevin McDonald, who was a hero of mine and that, but he was the other guest writer and that was very funny. And we wrote the funniest thing in the world. It was 11 pages and they were obviously like, this is not a sketch. We cannot read this. (laughs) And um, after that worked on community for a couple of years. So it was just kind of like ups and downs, peaks and valleys. You get it. When did you two get together? 2018 probably yeah. yeah okay and you mentioned before the read but tell me again sort of how that connection happened 
We were introduced by Alan Yang. We're both friends with him. And he was like, I think you need to meet this friend of mine. Cause I like working in partnerships. Like I, I find I write alone sometimes, but I find it kind of boring. And I just, I think things are funnier when you can bounce them off people. And so we, where did we went to a Mexican restaurant, right? We did. We went to, yes, we did. We went yes. to El Coyote. We had, we had, our, we had our fix up. Yeah. <laughs> and then decided to write a pilot together or pitch a pilot together. Yeah. We, it was, we, we had a lot of similar experiences and similar ideas. This was very much like Ricky's baby. This was very much like she had a lot figured out before we were, you know, we were, had this fix up. So there was like, it was such a joy to be like plunged into this world where it was like, Oh yeah, you've done a ton of the work. I'll, I'll join in on this. I love <laughs> to. How, how fun. What a treat. I'd love it. Um, but yeah, you had done so much work on it and it was just a matter of like, okay, well how we have to just sort of pull this, pull this together and just be like, how do we move forward? Cause we needed to, you know, activate the various agencies and whatever. Right. And then I'd had a general with paper kite with Kim Lessing at paper kite, Amy Poehler's company. And we wanted to take it to them because our general was so great and I loved Kim. And so we took it there and Kim wanted to do it. But when we pitched it to her, it was like a cable show or a streaming show. It was not a network show. And so she's like, I got to talk to you guys. She took us out for a glass of wine and was like, this is a network show. So picture it as a network show. If, if they would actually make it, um, they didn't, but if they had, it would have been <laughs> really cool and like kind of revolutionary for network TV. And she's like, just imagine it. And then we were sold. Yeah, it took a second because I mean, I do come from a child pornography background. So I, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if we can do if that's going to fly. But no, it was um, she was I think she was right in how she was envisioning it. And I think the pilot, I mean, turned out really well. and It would have been a great show. But um, but yeah, Rick, Ricky and I definitely pushed back on the idea of going broadcast because nothing ever goes. And look, <laughs> right nothing uh, went like nothing went that year also nothing. so that was crazy mm -hmm. and what were the changes like what were the do you remember what the big changes are that happened once you decided to make it for broadcast or were they just kind of line by line like language specifics or were there story elements that changed it was just basically no nudity and no swearing like which yeah. i love both of those things so i was like <laughs> okay i can live without them and like the story itself didn't really change yeah, the story didn't change and it didn't, it was much, it was more of how like there was a very funny version of the conversation um, between Erica and Kyle where he says he's, you know, he's bisexual and he's only fucking dudes now. And it's been the original one. Ricky, do you, you remember this? Right? I don't between at all. Okay. Erica and Kyle are like hooking up. Well, oh, this is oh. right. Okay, now wait. So you tell it. No, now I remember. Yeah, that's right. No, no. We, this is why I said we can. Like, it's a while ago. He was like inside me when he's like. Yes, hey, it I was like a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were just like dying laughing over because it was like both realistic and also just like the most like. Wait, what? Wait, wait, <laughs> now happened? you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> can we? I get you're flooded with emotion, baby. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so things like that definitely that that sort of thing definitely changed but but story-wise it didn't change it was just you know 
He was yeah. outside of her when he told her. Right. <laughs> and it was more of a wrap up in the network version where you kind of have to like put a bow on it and be like, and this is what you're going to expect in future weeks, sort of, you know, you need that right. more in the network than in streaming. Oh yeah. I feel like the sort of wrap up aspect of it or the like set PC aspect of it was a thing we were both a little resistant to Yes, because it was just like, is this really how anyone behave? Okay, fine. Like this, sure. We'll do it. <laughs> but it doesn't have a network feel like it, it really, you guys held on to a cable streaming tone I think um, it was cool. that was Fox. They just like let they, we just didn't get a lot of notes from them. They just kind of were into what we were doing, which was yeah. Cool. Susanna Makos was really that she was at Fox at the time, and she was very like she seemed to she got it in the pitch. She was like very enthusiastic in the pitch, which we hadn't seen yet at that point. No, so we she were really like, was like we would start to say something. She goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, got it. What else? Okay, okay. yeah, get that." <laughs> like she was like just like uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then also be like, this reminds me of a thing that happened to me. Do you remember this? And we were just like, oh, okay. She understands. Like, she's just like telling us her stories now. Okay, great. Like, perfect. Always a great sign. Um, So what else do you remember about how you, you pitched this? Did you, did you sing it all in that pitch? Were there, were the songs part of it was like, what was that pitch like? I can't remember if we played that song. We didn't sing, but did we play that song or not? I don't think we did, did we? I don't know, because the song is devastating. It's really good. And that's the sort of thing that when we took it to Paper Kite and they heard the song, like when Amy and Kim heard the song, we're like, oh my God, like this is, like what a thing to include in this, how this is perfect. Um, Because I love the Murphy Brown pilot and I love that there's that whole song element at the end and it's it's just kind of beautiful and it made the pilot memorable. And I'm like, you can have a song. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I don't think anyone was pushing back on it. I just don't think that I don't remember in the pitch if we did it. I don't think we did. No, but we pitched to four places, Fox, ABC, NBC and CBS. And um, yeah, the ABC one also went well. They were also interested. And um, I don't remember even how we ended up going with Fox over ABC, but it was cool to have more than one place interested. That was amazing. (laughs) Um, And was Amy Poehler... Like, what was her involvement? Did she come? Did she come to pitches? Was she? Um... Oh, Amy is. She is not a name only producer. She read every draft. She she gives notes on everything. She was in every pitch. She's if she's producing it, she is the producer. She's yeah. She's fantastic. It was yeah. amazing because we like you know we honed stuff so we didn't bring her just a bunch of random ideas, obviously. But when we, you know, she would be there pretty often when we were going over the pitch, she would have great ideas. She was just like, you're very lucky to be in a room with Amy Poehler because everyone wants to see Amy Poehler. So it's yeah. like, people aren't, people aren't mad about that pitch. And how rehearsed are the two of you in that pitch? I mean, is Completely. it very scripted? And I'm, I say this and then Yes, and except say the that. Fox pitch where, where Susanna was like, okay, check, got it, got it. What's the next? Okay, so then we're like, oh, uh, and then all the rest of them were totally scripted. Yeah, they were, we had... Um, well, we had two. Okay, we had two kind of versions of this because Ricky was doing most of the talking because she's the performer and the star, and because she didn't want me to embarrass the two of us. Which <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, but I would have like the sort of everything written out pitch, sort of clandestinely near me. Ricky had like a little like some bullet points. I've done pitches where you're like essentially reading a book report, and it's the most miserable thing in the world, and everyone hates it. So. 
this was just kind of like, let's try to make it a conversation, but also fulfill their book report needs that they all seem to desire. So Ricky was like using bullet points and sort of like making it very conversational and was like very natural at it. And then if there was any time that I could like jump in with a detail or anything that we might have missed, that's when I kind of came in and did that. It wasn't a lot of like, and now I say this and now you say this. It was a little bit more, I think, natural than that. But yeah, the the Fox pitch threw it all out the window because they were just like, all right, what are we doing? Let's talk. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> so then what? Then what happens? <laughs> yeah. And oh, that okay. was and that was great. That was the best. I mean, it was the best. So yeah, it's good that when you can roll with that and not get thrown by it, because it is sort of the best thing that can happen that it becomes a conversation. But but if you do have one of those book report pitches, it can just be kind of like, ah, I, I, I need to say my things and you're interrupting and I don't know what to do now. <laughs> well, it's uh, interesting because that's the good part about working with Amy and Kim is they ask you all the thematic questions. And so you do so much soul searching about it and you know like why you're making the show and you know the emotional journey of every character and you do so much work and talking that when someone does ask questions like we had the same answer like we had it ready to go it wasn't like a light thing that you know we worked on this for a week like we worked on it for like four months (laughs) and sat with it for a long time and so when people did ask us questions it was even better because we knew all the answers and i mean how are those you know ricky for you you're a performer. Are those rooms just kind of, is that an easy thing? Is that just kind of a fun thing to, to go in and pitch? No, it's really hard. <laughs> I, I, it's funny that it sounded natural to Monica. Cause I really spend a lot of time memorizing and I, oh. I'm not a natural person. Like I take like me, I'm just like, I need to do a lot of work to make it sound natural. Like I had to work on it a ton at home. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean to say that like it was natural in terms of like Ricky walked in and was just off the cuff. It was like, no, no Ricky was really it, prepared. Ricky no, I so love that it prepared. sounded like that. That's yeah. what I wanted. I wanted it to be, I wanted to know it so deeply that I could sound like I was having a conversation. Yeah. And you did. And, it, and it was, it was really effective because yeah, it was, it was great. But I get really nervous and you talk for a long time in a pitch. There's like not a lot of back and forth and it. You, you do start to go, am I, am I talking too long? Am I like, can I take a sip of water? Like what, like, yeah, I start to get in my head. And how much in the picture are you talking about Ricky? How much are you talking about Erica? Like how much of this are you sort of selling as like, this is my story or is it very much like, here's a character that we're presenting totally divorced from who I am? Well, this one, we talked a lot about me because, you know, I am a songwriter for hire for animation. And like, I, I have, friends like this, I've had some of these experiences were based on true things. The whole Rachel thing was a true thing. Um, and so, yeah, so we did talk a lot of, and, and Monica was also like at a similar stage in her life. And we just talked about, you know, how you have these friends because like everyone kept going, how do these people know each other? And we're like, because they're the only ones left. Like everyone else got married. Like it's not, we like love that these people don't have a ton in common. They're friends because they're the only people who go out. Yeah, they're still available. Like that was, which was one of the ways that was like so many of our friends that we still like routinely saw. It was because, oh, they're available to hang out. And we just thought this was so like such a funny, like, and also natural, weird way that like people spend a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. And oh, we got continual questions about like, 
but did they go to college together? And it's like, no, they, maybe they met at a party. Like, I yeah. don't know. Like, <laughs> they just I, are still around. That's it. I, you know? I love that description of Rachel of just like a woman. She just always runs. Can't remember how she met her, but somehow just always runs into her. It just feels so real. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rachel. And that woman is in my life. I do. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. I do run into her, like not during the pandemic, obviously. So it's been a minute. But. Oh, God. I hope she's doing all right. <laughs> I'm sure she is. Um. <laughs> hey, folks, we're breaking in for just a sec. It's me, Ben, and Andrew, your uh, hosts and producers of this show. Uh, and we want to thank you for supporting Dead Pilot Society. And we want to ask you if you are not already a MaxFund member, please become one. MaxFund is audience supported, which means we are free to make the content you enjoy because people like you contribute. And we have such a great community of listeners. Nothing makes me happier than seeing comments on social media talking about how much people love these pilots that would never have been heard if we didn't you know, put them on and have them read here on Dead Pilot Society. There, here, here's a couple comments from people uh, that I can read. Carl Thomas Gladstone. He says, what amazing writers, scripts, and performers fighting back against the nose of the world. That's N-O apostrophe S, not N-O-S-E. <laughs> but okay, fighting back against the nose of the world. I love that. That's like our, our motto here. We're fighting back against the nose of the world by bringing these scripts back to life. I mean, that's it. That's what we're doing, right? We're just saying like, okay, you know, the higher ups might have rejected these things. We see value in them and you as listeners see value in them too. Here's one from Chrissy Wong. She says, I recently started listening to Dead Pilot Society and I love it so much. The only problem is I want to watch the shows afterwards, but they don't exist. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, sorry, that is, that is true. Um, but they exist. At least a pilot read by amazing actors exists here on this podcast and it wouldn't exist anywhere else. And so just, you know, hearing that from our community, it really means so much to us. And, you know, as a member, you're part of creating the show, you know, the, you know, we make the content, our audience listens and shares it and our members provide the funding that makes it all possible. Yeah. We genuinely could not do it without um, our listeners. So we're going to ask you that, you know, if you've been enjoying dead pilot society, once again, go to maximumfund.org slash join, make sure that you check the box that says dead pilot society, and you're going to get some really cool stuff in return. I mean, membership starts at $5 a month. That gets you all the bonus content. You don't get to just hear these reads. If you're a member, even at the $5 a month level, you get to watch them. You know, we put up the the Zoom recordings, the video, and you get to see all our incredible actors. You, you also you can get see to hear, what uh, what Carrie Mulligan's house looks like. I know, and, and Richard E. Grant, um, <laughs> and, and you know, Rain Wilson and Maria Bamford, and so, so many people. You also we we've been we've really been doing a lot of uh, sort of guest appearances on other shows this time. And there's some great content. I can't wait to, to listen to uh, the Depression Mode episode that Ben, that you did. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was really cool. And it's a great resource. I mean, if you're listening to this episode and you are interested in the creative process um, and Depression Mode is John Moe's new Max Fun podcast. We did a crossover episode in which we talked about mental health among television writers. Uh, and we had a terrific lineup, uh, including Stephen Canals, who co-created Pose, uh, and Rachel Bloom, 
the co-creator and star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, two shows that I think really um, handled mental health in uh, expert and, and sort of nuanced ways. So it's a great conversation uh, about that. We also did, uh, you and I, Andrew, did a bonus episode crossover with Round Springfield with uh, Allie and Julia. That was a really fun conversation. It was really fun. I mean, it was, it was sort of ostensibly about I, the very first uh, script, that, the script that got me an agent was a Simpsons spec script written back in the, in the 90s. I got to say for you friends, fans out there, you know, <laughs> since I did write in that show, you get a little inside uh, friend scoop uh, on that, totally. uh, on that I episode loved that. too, which was, which was pretty fun. I immediately um, ran out from recording that and told my wife, listen to this stuff about Joey. <laughs> <laughs> so folks, will, if you give $5 a month, you get that bonus content. And yes. all the bonus content across all the Max Fun shows. Yeah. What else can, can you get for becoming a member? Well, if you choose to join or upgrade at ten dollars a month, you get a Max Fund membership card uh, and a cool pin of your choice. We hope you will choose the Dead Pilot Society pin because it's great. Our pins are always great. Um, we did a redesign really cool. on our logo, which the pin reflects, um, and it's cool. It's it feels much more like lively and 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 look, the Max Fund's <laughs> taking a break from these pins uh, after this oh, year. Yeah. So if you know if you've gotten pins in the past, you got to complete your collection. So um, so get your Dead Pilot Society pin at a the ten dollar a month level, and if you join or upgrade at twenty dollars a month or more, you get this year's special gift which is the MaxFun Take a Minute Tea Kit, which is a custom tin with art by Atomic Pixies, a rocket-shaped tea infuser, and a custom MaxFun blend of tea from our friends at Wishes Tea. Ben, talk about you've had the tea. It's a delightful blend. It's, a, it's an orange tea that is really very nice. It's the kind of thing when you do take the time to, to just do that for yourself and just like, you know, it's the afternoon. I'm just going to have a nice relaxing cup of tea. It just... It does. It makes your your day better. So that's a pretty cool gift at the $20 a month level. So look, if you're already a member, thank you so much for supporting this show. This show has really helped keep us going uh, during during the last 14 months of of all this. It's really uh, every time we get on a Zoom to do one of these reads with all these incredible actors, it's just such a great community. Everyone's there just because we want to uplift these writers and these scripts that you know have been have been rejected by the powers that be but have so much value and are so great um, and it's really kept us going and you keep us going and enable us to keep doing this thing so if you want to join or boost or upgrade go to maximumfun.org/join but there is, you know, there are so many specifics that make it clear that this is you writing about your you know, that, that some of this is coming from, you know, you guys writing about your lives, even, you know, I, I think that, that, that thing about like, let's have lunch. Well, uh, lunch actually falls in my most creative phase, but after four o'clock, I'm used to like, that's a line that's, you know, um, maybe any I'm writer. I'm sure but- I have said that to Monica. I mean, you have 100% where it's like, Hey, Ricky, you want to, you know, chat about whatever, uh, I'll talk to you after two. Like we we were brainstorming because we still will, we'll brainstorm together still with each other's ideas. Like if Monica has a pilot idea or I have a movie idea, whatever it is, we'll call each other and do a brainstorm just to 
help each other out. And, but yeah, it's always after four. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's great. It's so, it was so specifically Ricky and so like hard boundaries around it. Just like, no, this, I know myself, this is when I'm good. Yes. I've got to maximize this time. Right. I can deal with you later. Yeah. Like, the good, <laughs> the good parts for just for me and me alone. Yeah. <laughs> and for Monica, how, how easy was it for you? Cause you guys were really, you have this drinks at El Coyote and you, uh, you know, how quickly were you able to fall in when you were writing to like, okay, I can write this, this character. I, I get who Ricky is. I get who Erica is. Well, we had a lot of, there are a lot of similarities. Like I'm in my late thirties. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I've like, we, the way, I mean, our mutual friend, Alan, who introduced us, Ricky was like, I don't remember. We met at a party. I was like, the thing that the reason we, I mean, love Alan, wonderful guy. We get to hang out with him all the time because he's available. Like that's one of the <laughs> things like that was, that was he part was, of it. Yeah. Well, right now, not as much, but that was one of his defining characteristics is that he was available. And, um, and so we really bonded over, what it means to be in your late thirties and a woman who works and is not really like, you know, you kind of look around and you're like, Oh, all right. Well, what's life now? Because our, our mothers, you know, when they were 37 or 38, they had teenagers or whatever. Like they didn't, they can't, they don't have the advice. Like my, we really channeled a little bit of both of our moms into Greta but it was a lot of like, look, I'm here for you, but I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, <laughs> you're, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're doing it, but it seems kind of terrifying. What's yeah. happening? Like, that's, yeah, that was My a little bit of My parents still are not comfortable with the amount of um, uncertainty, uncertainty in my life. Like, you know, if I have a pitch and you're waiting to hear it, they're like, but when do you hear? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, what? Like, they don't understand like how, like you, you just are like used to uncertainty with everything. And yeah. they, they are still that used to it. No. Like, well, they must give you some idea. And I was like, no, they don't. I don't know when I'll know if I got that part. I don't know when it's filming. I don't know anything. It yeah. seems like such a perfect setup for a show for that, for you guys to have continued writing because you were writing exactly your lives and uh, you know all the moments the small moments and specifics of that which could have been fodder for episodes um i was really impressed by the opening of this pilot because you guys do something that's kind of unusual you you really just come in in the middle of something um and you introduce us to erica and adam in a very not expositional way um and then drop this big bomb on like page three. So we have to invest and care about, about these, these, you know, about Erica certainly. And that this means something that she's going to break up based on a coin toss on, you know, on like on page three, which to me, I felt like you did. And I, and um, part of it to me, I think is like when she, when Erica starts singing that song, it's so, uh, you know, she just burst into writing a song there that, that connects you to her in a way makes her so specific. And so that makes that work. I, I just wonder how much, you know, openings of pilots are so hard and, and I'm just wondering how much you struggled over, you know, how to open and landing on that opening. Ricky has this. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Ricky, sorry. I just want to give you like such full credit for this because by the time we met at El Coyote, Ricky had this scene written almost exactly as it is now. Like she knew how this started mm -hmm. and she knew how she wanted to do it. 
And it was just like, it was so brilliant and so like risky that it was like, okay, you know, and people like at different points, I feel like had been kind of like, does it fit? Where do you go from here? What is the thing? And she was very, I mean, it's so great. Now, Ricky, you can talk. I, it was there from the very beginning. That's, yeah, that was that's the all first, her. That was the inspiration for the pilot. I, I was dating someone and I was like, what do we do? Like, what do I, and, and I was like, could I flip a coin? And I had that whole thing in my head. I didn't say it in front of him, but I was like, should I flip a coin? And I, and I did. And I was like, what do I want it to be? And when it was tails, I was relieved. And I was like, oh, I mean, the fact that I was even flipping a coin, like we should not have been together. Like, that should have been my clue. Like yeah, that, it's a that pretty should, big clue. That should have been my clue. But it was, yeah, because it was a great person who I cared about. But it was, yeah, I was, I, I was in my car and I was like, let me just see what would happen. And like, we didn't like break up right away after that. It took a while, but I was like, that was a weird exercise. And then I was like, oh, that feels like a show. And so that was, that scene really was sort of the, the seed that was the inspiration for the, for the show. Cause like, I don't know the reason a lot of people are together, like feels that random. It feels like, you know, not every couple I know feels like this meant to be romantic comedy. Like a lot of it feels as random as a coin toss. Yeah. They're like, okay, I guess I'll be with this guy. Like it just feels, I don't know. Not yeah, so like destiny. There's a lot of, well, this is a person I happened to be dating at the age where I decided that it was time to get married. And that's just like musical chairs. It's where it landed. And so now we're married. Yes. Um, did you get any pushback at any point for, for starting that way for, you know, for introducing us to the, to the characters that way? No, that's really I don't cool. I think so because it is just such a, it's, it's that show don't tell, like, you know, it's like, this woman is emotionally adventurous. This woman is like willing to risk her life on a coin toss. Like it, it's just shows you everything you need to know about this character. And and I'll continue. If I, the series had gone, I would continue to make wild decisions <laughs> based on nothing. Um, and are some of those kind of, I don't know what you call them. You would call them story conferences. If, if they were so songwriting tables and, and those rooms, I mean, a lot of that stuff is just, that's all the things you've experienced all real yes and i love that line where we're just looking for a 90s 70s 30s funk muppets classic ballad that's also <laughs> a dance song and maybe in spanish <laughs> did have a song that i that was not that far from that like they because you'll get notes from five or six executives and they'll be different notes they'll be like what if it sounds like journey and they'll be like you know what song i love Despacito and well, you know, but you know what it should be. And then those are, they, those notes are all written down and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It seems like because when you're a non-musician and you're trying to talk about music, people really struggle, right? They just don't know how to talk about it. Yes. Um, you know, when I've like run shows and I have to talk to the composer, sometimes I feel like, God, I'm just sounding so stupid. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know anything about music. So I have to just like give this kind of vague feel to it. Hopefully I've not ever said anything as stupid as, as, as this. Kate you know, and I you once got 65 notes on one three minute song <laughs> from one person, 65 notes. And we're like, we should start over. We're like, you don't like this song. And they were like, no, 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 I love it. And we're like, I just have like, 65 little like things. It. Yeah. And we're like, we promise you, you don't like this. And they're like, no, 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 we do. Um, but yeah, we had, I, I counted them. We had 65 notes. That's incredible. On one, on one three minute song. <laughs> Uh, how much did you pitch of where it was going to go in not series? Too, not that much, actually. 
Well, we didn't, but we had, there was, okay. But early on, because we're pitching before we went to, before we were at Paper Kite, when we were still going to like pods, remember we pitched at that pod for Netflix where we had to do like five seasons of the show. Right. And we were just like, this is bananas. Obviously, like we don't know exactly what's, but we had five seasons of the show at one point. Did we? Wow. I got to find out. I've also tried to erase it from my memory, but this <laughs> just brought it all back because it was, because we were just like, at first we're like taking the exercise very seriously. We're like, this is what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. This is what like a Netflix pod wants for this. Mm-hmm. And then we were just like, I don't know. They're on fucking Broadway at the end of season three. We don't know. Oh, that's right. She, she gets a, <laughs> Broadway musical. That's right. She ends up writing a Broadway musical about fertility. Yeah. Yeah. And she has a baby with the neighbor. Okay. She has a baby with the bisexual neighbor and they have like a open relationship, friendship type of thing. Yeah. But it was all one of those things because Ricky especially has worked enough and I have worked enough also to know that the moment a cast is assembled and you know, you start doing any stories, you figure out what dynamics work better than other. like, so we knew we were, it was essentially just like weird fan, a fantasy exercise mm-hmm. of just like, well, okay, this could go in so many different directions, but it would change based on who these people actually are played by and what, ha- like who, like what dynamics work and what is interesting about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we did have one, like, I'm going to say it was about like a week and a half of just like feverish, just like, let's break six years of a show together. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, those are both great ideas. I like both of, I like both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, were those, so it was just sort of broad season arc kind of things, right? Not like right, but for every just... character, we did it for all wow. the, for every all character. characters. Yeah. Okay. Josh so, didn't. Josh didn't have a lot of like uh, a lot of bad things happen to Josh, but he was always happy. Yeah, like that he didn't was have always, a lot of growth and change. That was the point of Josh. The most important thing about Josh is he didn't grow. He didn't change. Bad things happened to him, but he was always happy. Like he was always on his feet, and it was like yeah. it didn't matter. But Haley, the the personality list girlfriend, didn't stick around. No. <laughs> it's always yeah. we did this exercise beforehand but yeah probably not I don't think she would have yeah. made it unless she'd really you know and then if she had really popped in the pilot she'd be you know having like her own storylines yeah. she'd be a spin-up she'd be our Frasier yeah <laughs> um, but the pregnancy you know I mean that seems like that you know that's one of the big question marks hanging over the pilot yeah. is you know is the baby um, and and you had thought you were kind of that was going to, you're going to wait a season or two for that or. I can remember just enough to know that there was, it, it obviously, because it's such an important part, it came up later when we were talking about it, that like at a point in the next few years, this will be something that she decides to do. Right. Like, and there yeah. had to be like, I definitely had to go on a date and tell the guy I was pregnant. Like we definitely had that. Yes. That, oh yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was dating while pregnant. <laughs> Oh my god, the dating well oh that was so funny. That was like I do have to share something. Don't know if you care, but I'm currently with child. Not oh my god. Writing a fantasy, like a completely fantasy fake show was a lot of fun. Or it was just like, what are we gonna do with these people we like? Sure. Let's make her date while pregnant for a while. Yeah. That's really fun. You're gonna love Erica. She's great. There's one thing, (laughs) small thing. She's currently in her second trimester. Not looking for a dad. Yeah. Not looking for a dad. Mm-mm. Just she, trying to fuck around. Yeah. She's good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I guess we talked about this a little bit before the read, but so how tell, talk a little bit about the end of this process um, and what happened after it was written and it's being considered. And I don't really remember what happened. Um, I do remember that um, after we'd already written it, that, that um, there was some sort of mandate that they wanted sort of middle America kind of shows. And this is not that, you know, and then they didn't have any, I don't think, I don't think they made any. Well, shows. there was a, there was like, there was a regime change, I think. Like, I think that was part of it also. Like there was, they didn't really know what they wanted to do. There was a regime change. They maybe bought one multi-game pilot, but nothing, or like picked up one multi-game pilot, but nothing else. Um, it got far enough that my agents or our age, like our various agents sent us like a list of directors. That was as far as we got in terms of like hopefulness where it's like, what about these people mm-hmm. then? Yeah. It felt the feedback at Fox was very positive and it felt like it was a real possibility that they were going to make it. And, um, but yeah, they didn't, but yeah. they made almost nothing. So yeah. We were in good company, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like it was a year where your odds were so astronomically small of getting it, of getting it made that they were not. And I don't remember exactly that, that season, whether it was start, the start of like being folded into Disney um, was part of it. I don't, I don't remember, but I think I do remember that that season there was just sort of like, wow, they're just not really even making anything. They're just not doing it. Yeah. Um. So by the time that happened, was that sort of not a, not a surprise to you guys or were I was you... surprised. I was waiting yeah. for them to pick it up. Yeah. 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 It was um, like our, we, Ricky and I made a good partnership in terms of our like attitudes in general, I think like, and also just a lot of things about our partnership work really well because we complemented each other very well. I think maybe Ricky will disagree. I, I think so. <laughs> I totally but she was, but she would like be optimistic about these things. She'd be like upset about other things. And I would be like down on some things that I'd be like optimistic about. I'd be like, these notes don't mean anything. She's like, these notes are terrible. And then she'd be like, I think we're going to get picked up. And I was like, we're not getting picked up. Like it was that kind of like, <laughs> we could do a little, we, it wasn't that extreme, but I was just like, I don't, I have no idea. Like I have no idea because nothing gets picked up. I come from like a point of view of nothing gets picked up. And Ricky, who has made, who has never had a, you've never had a fail. Like yeah, I have been- since then, but this was my first thing that didn't, I did two TV shows before that and they both got made. And I was like, I'm on, I'm riding the coattails of someone who is <laughs> like, cannot lose. She's fantastic. And like, now I, I can but it was, it was one of those things where I was just like, I, this is, yeah, you're, you've taught me to believe again, Ricky. <laughs> so Monica, I don't know. Cause we didn't really talk about it. I mean, had you sold and written pilots before this one? Before this I had sold, I had sold a pilot that was just like, I had, it was early, earlier in my career. It's better not to talk that much about it but it was one of those things where it like i sold it but it kind of got out of got out of my creative control very quickly in a way that was like eventually i believe they just paid me to stop writing which i was like (laughs) (laughs) okay oh yeah i was like i mean i'm mad but also this is great (laughs) like so so that had been my development experience and after that i took a break and it was just like i can't i gotta like be in a better headspace about how to deal with this kind of thing. And then when I was paired with 
know, when Ricky and I got together, we were like, she was just so confident and so knowledgeable and so knew so many things about how, like, she was like, no, we're going to do it this way. We can do this. We're going to do whatever. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I just fully thought they were going to make it. Like I really did believe that. I was like, let's, let's go make a TV show. I like my, my mindset was not like, let's pitch a pilot. I was like, let's make a TV series. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say that like, yeah, I, I, it's not that I, I think I was just disillusioned by this experience. This like, this is also why we pushed back, I think on the broadcast aspect of it, because like you had had so much success in, in the cable like sphere I had had a demoralizing defeat in the, in, the, in, the, in the broadcast sphere. So it was like, this is a show where like a guy can tell the girl he's fucking that he's only fucking guys now while he's inside her. Right. Like, do we want to take this to CBS? <laughs> so to be fair, CBS was really nice in the room. We, we all knew they weren't going to make it. They knew we knew. <laughs> It was, it was, yeah, it was 100% like a weird friendly where it was like, we know, they know. All right, well, I'll just sit back and just do this yeah. thing. Bye. And we're like, bye. And they're like, great. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> we like, we're not going to go on after Big Bang Theory or something. Yeah. <laughs> Did, was there ever a try to sort of bring it back, you know, bring it back to cable after the, after Fox passed? Was that a play at all? I sort of had an idea that it could be a sitcom. Like a, like a full-on multi-cam. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then everyone's kind of like, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It was an example of like Ricky's really admirable industriousness when she was like, you know, they brought us in this direction. Let's go full blown in this direction. Look <laughs> at how we can do this. And it was, it worked. <laughs> like it, I, I was like, yeah, this does work this way, but that's what, uh, yeah, nothing came of it after after that. I think everyone just moved on and was like, let's not make television anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's, you know, there's it's partly sort of a hangout show that could work. At, you know, there's a version of this I could see as as a multicam. It's just tricky because, you know, you don't want to lose so much of the great edge, even more of that great edge that it has. Um but uh, yeah, they let us have like an HIV joke. They let us have a yeah. lot of yeah. They kept a lot in there. Fox they, really did not have a ton of notes. No, they were good. They were like, you know, go for it. Do your do this. Doesn't make any sense. That's I feel like that's always like what what if they do? What if there's oh there was the thing where it was like the big moment at the end, which we talked about. Like there had been various different versions of like what is the big set piece that shows that living like when you're in your late thirties and you're single is great. And we are like, I don't know what it looks like for us is different from what it looks like on TV. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like there was like jet waves. Yeah, and, like, they're like, are they in an like, airport? And we're like, I don't know. I don't think so. We're like, what if we yeah. do a toast? And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It was amazing how, like how, it was not so hard to walk back from the edge of that where it was like, is this going to be a fireworks display? Like, what is the, like, who is someone going to like shoot off into outer space? But instead it was like, let's do it. Like Ricky was like, let's do a toast. And they were like, great. So. I mean, I guess the best you can hope for often since most of these things don't go is at least the process, you know, sounds like it was pleasant. It was. It was like a good learning experience. It was cool. Moshe texted me after the table read and he's like, you need to make this into a movie. I'm like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. He's like, some kind right. of I'm like, oh, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, um, yeah, no, the process was great. And like Ricky and I got to work, I got like, we, I got to work with Ricky, which was fantastic. And then we got to Rick with, uh, uh, Rick with, we got to Ricky with paper kite, which was great. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit beforehand about how we don't know how much like dirt we can spill on this. Cause there wasn't a ton of dirt. It was just yeah. like, we wrote a pilot. Didn't, didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Then, so that's yeah, uh, that's the story of most pilots right now i'm making an animated movie with them right now uh can you tell us a little bit about that yeah it's called steps and it's like it's it's not cinderella but if it was it's like the stepsister it's basically the girls who weren't picked by the prince and them having to find um self-actualization and it's a musical so kate and i are writing the music and um i wrote the script and i think it comes out in two years they're like we have like a release date which is hilarious wow it's amazing mm-hmm. it's amazing so cool and monica what are you up to i've been working on uh some actually trying to bring to life that uh the, it's a really wild exercise because it's the the first pilot like the first real pilot that i wrote that i told you about about the elderly former mm-hmm. Broadway actress and now i did like a rewrite on it not that long ago because it's old and uh there's been at least excitement amongst my like reps to try to turn this into like, let's try to make a go at this thing. And it's been a wild, interesting learning process only from taking like a real old script that was like, and then trying to like reverse engineer a pitch from it and like get actresses attached. And they're all between the ages of 65 and 87. So it's all like, (laughs) it's mostly, we talked about like writing a fantasy series. I think I'm doing it right now. So (laughs) (laughs) that's great. We, you know, here at dead pilot society, we love it when things are brought back from the dead. You know, it's, uh, I love hearing that something's getting revisited and it sounds like such a cool idea. Um, And I'm sure all of those, all of those actresses are amazing that you're you know the people you're considering are the people that are just the total pros and who are going to be incredible thank you guys so much for letting us read this and for just putting together that that great cast it was just so much thanks fun. for having us it was really fun to revisit i hadn't looked at the pilot since you know when we made it yeah, yeah. me either it was great thank you so much it was such a delight i was like i texted ricky i was like ricky this was this was funny <laughs> <laughs> We wrote a good pilot. <laughs> I love hearing that. I love when writers feel vindicated by these reads because it's good. It's really good. It's just a really good script. So thank you. It was a total pleasure and great to talk to you guys. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you so much. Great interview, Andrew. Thank you for doing that. Uh, <laughs> folks, if you've gone the extra mile to become a Max Fund member, thank you so much for making the show possible. We're able to bring our show to you independent of outside influence. This is genuinely the show that Andrew and Noah and I want to see. And so it's the one we want to make. No one tells um, us. No one, no one tells us which pilots to read. No one no. tells us which actors to cast. We are able to do this. It's the opposite of what Ben and I do in our, <laughs> in our real jobs as television writers, where we have to listen to all kinds of people interfering with us. Here, we get to be completely independent because of you, our listener. We really can't thank you enough. So if you haven't had a chance to become a member yet, you can do it. You can do it right now. Um, Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. MaximumFun.org slash join. We only ask you this once a year. Uh, so please take the time right now while you're thinking about it and join, boost, upgrade. You'll get lots of cool stuff. 
and you will enable us to keep doing this show that we love making. And we hope you love listening to. So Ben, I love uh, getting to do this with you once a year. Um, <laughs> it's nice so to see you, you once a year. I know. <laughs> uh, but thank you all. Thank you. Thank you listeners. And um, we will uh, hit you up again in a year. Don't make us do it. <laughs> Just if you, if you become a member now, then we don't have to come back for a whole year. Right. Otherwise we're going to do this every month. Yeah. And if you haven't mentioned it, I'm going to mention it one last time. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Thank you on behalf of Ben and Noah Findling and myself, Andrew Reich. Thank you so much for supporting the show and for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.